hands together and welcome uh, the writing director of this film, Mark O'Rourke, to the stage. Uh, Mark, congratulations on the on the film. And if, if I could start by asking you how, uh, what attracted you to this idea, and why it came to you as a screenplay rather than a play. Um, I'm not sure. I, it's it's uh, the answer I've, some, I've sometimes given about this is uh, it was the only idea I had at the time. And that's that's often often the truth, and, and people often ask you to kind of encapsulate what was the germ of of something like that, and. Uh, it's usually quite hard to do because there were several, you know what I mean? But I think um, I was hearing stories about, uh, when I started the script, I was probably about the same age as the lead character, two kids, he's a writer, you can see lots of similarities. But I, I had heard stories about uh, infidelities of people kind of my own age, or friends of friends or whatever. And um, I thought about, uh, and, and usually they involved stories about people who had a very high opinion of themselves and kind of felt that they were entitled to sleep around. Now, for whom it, they could do it uh, repeatedly without any kind of guilt or, do you know what I mean, as, as, as if it was something they deserved and, you know, marriages would break up, etc. And I kind of wondered about the idea of people who would generally have a, high, a higher moral standard and what it would take... Uh, and, and people who wouldn't generally go looking for this kind of thing and what it would take to uh, make a, you know, a, a situation happen where it would kind of in a way happen by itself and they would just kind of have to fall into it yeah. and then deal with all, the, with, with all the consequences. I also wanted to uh, write something where you're playing you were kind of watching it from several people's perspectives and you didn't really have a... I mean, you, Killian's part is kind of the lead role, but he's, not, he's certainly not the hero. And where you would be able to kind of jump between moral perspectives, I suppose, and compare them to how you felt about do, people doing these kinds of things. Mm. And uh, it, it, it seems to me that you were quite careful not to be not as the writer uh, or the director to be necessarily judging anybody. You needed to stand back from that and let maybe your audience make their own mind up. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, that's, a, that, that, that's kind of the most important thing for me. I think if, you're, if you come into the movie ready to find the bad guy or the bad girl, you're, 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 it, that's not really the way to, to approach it. And if you come in looking to judge or condemn, Characters. That's. I don't think that's quite the way either. I think it's. It, it requires a little bit of a self-examination as you watch it. Do you know what I mean? For me, I, I, I kind of felt anything. Anything any character does in it, I, I felt that kind of anyone was capable of. Um, certainly myself. Yeah, you you mentioned this before in say, not to pick on them, but saying in a Woody Allen film, you'd get all these sort of wise and witty kind of. Uh, interactions between people who seem to be, who seem to understand what's happening before it's happened. These 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 feel like ordinary people who are stumbling through what's going on. Absolutely, uh, it's a weird one because it's a it's a, it's it's a film you kind of you slightly have to learn to watch as you go. Maybe because I had people come up to me and say, "Oh, it all happened because she she snuggled him too close in the bed at the start, and he felt trapped." And I thought, 
no, it's lovely when she stole it. I kind of, and I wanted, and again, we, we constantly, we're, we're constantly looking for the clues as to the reasons for why this happened. But for me, the reasons are what we provide rather than what the film provides. I always try to avoid, um, I mean, the only one kind of inciting incident is when Andrew hits, um, or what's his name, Chris hits Yvonne. Mm. That's the only thing that kind of pushes pushes things. But I, yeah, I didn't, I, I didn't want, um, once you start explaining things like that and giving, once, once you know, you give Killian a reason to sleep with Catherine, um, you, let, you let him off the hook by giving him a reason. And I didn't want to let any of the characters off the hook, and thus I didn't want to let the audience off the hook, yeah. if you know what I mean. Yeah, he, he seemed, um, and I think you mentioned it yourself, uh, he seems like somebody, like, he's not a bad guy, he just kind of lets things happen. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, <laughs> like myself, <laughs> like most men, I'd say. Um, yeah, um, what was interesting was I think Killian's amazing in this, and we had conversations before we made it, and he was he was quite, I mean, he wasn't worried, but he was saying, uh, every film he's ever done, he's created a character and played that character, and he said this one he had to play himself in a way. Again. None of this means anyone's ever done anything no, but that happens in a movie like this. But, but in a way, all the actors have to play a version of themselves. They have to play a version of themselves. Yeah. And what I find, what I love about his performance, and it's, and it's truly what I wanted, is that it's, um, there's no vanity to it. And what I mean by that is not vanity in terms of his looks, but vanity in terms of uh, people not, you know, actors often not wanting to look bad or not wanting to their characters to look bad and I think it's a really kind of brave exposed uh, uh, performance because he, he doesn't come across well a lot of the time do you know what I mean yeah. and, and he, he comes across as someone who doesn't care that much and, um, well obviously he does but I think yes that thing you said uh, of of guys who just kind of you know let's just if it happens I'll let it happen I won't I won't chase it but I won't kind of resist it if it happens either you know? yeah yeah um, this is the, you've directed the stage many times, it's the first time you've directed um, a feature film. Uh, it, it must be completely different from the, the experience of directing on stage. Yeah, um, well, when you're directing for stage, there's very few components, there's, mm. there, and, and most of the creative process is uh, you and the actors rehearsing, basically. And, and, and in theatre, what you're doing over your four-week uh, rehearsal period or whatever, is you're teaching your actors to tell a two-hour story live in real time and do it the same every night but also make it feel slightly new every night. So directing theatre is almost like training athletes, you know what I mean, you're teaching them to do it. Whereas making film you only need to get each bit of the performance once, well you know you need to get it right once and once you have it you have it. Uh, and there are way, you know, there's, there are so many more components, you know, so in theatre uh, you have stage, but in film you have to find every location and you have to, um, you know, sound, music, editing, cinematography, and way more stuff than that. And also film is much more pressurised because you never have the time that you need. But that give, that has its own, there's a real kind of adrenaline rush to that. And particularly it's not just you and the set, it's you and a bunch of other people all kind of really fighting hard to do the same thing. And there's something really... Um, you know, just pleasurable, pleasurable about that, despite the fact that you're constantly uh, against the clock. You know? Yeah, and you, you you have such a strong cast. Was there a sense? I think you mentioned to me before that 
sometimes a, 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 a rehearsal was like a cup of coffee and a few notes kind of thing. Did you, did, you, you were able to stand back a bit and let them... Uh, yeah, well, the, 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 you know, the dialogue is quite um, specific. Mm. So at the very least, they knew they had to learn it, you know what I mean? And particularly because the dialogue is very back and forthy, you can't just go off on your own and learn your whole section. You've got to be with your partner. So, yeah, I would go to Catherine's and I would go to Killian's and I would do bits of them. And, but you're, you're just fighting for, you know, an hour here, an hour there. And the, the actors are very grateful. But in fact, I'm slightly exaggerating, but I, yeah, you occasionally would do bits with them just to kind of get a point across. But in a way, a couple of discussions does it. You know, the, the, a few little things put into an actor's mind, they just process and it filters down. And, and it, so, um, like, everyone was really ready to go. Uh, when we were shooting, I was which, thrilled, which they thrilled, had to be as well, didn't they? Because you did a short uh, window yeah, of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I find the ending intriguing because uh, I, I was talking to you about it uh, before the other day, and uh, I, I wondered was he, uh, was Killian Murphy's character Jim, sort of punishing himself uh, in, in his new life with the, the volatile waitress, or was he just going with the flow again? I don't know if you're going to answer that question, but it's kind of. Intrigued me, you know. Yeah, uh, no. <laughs> that's a, that's for you to decide. But but both of those are valid. Yeah. And there are others that are valid, and neither of those are are too far from the truth either. Yeah. yeah. Um. But it's not. You know. It's kind of. I don't want to say. I want to say so much, but I don't. I don't yeah. want to say it. Yeah. Um. Would anybody like to ask uh, Mark a question? If you want to put your your hand up, you can have to think about it. I have another question anyway. Um. I, it, something that intrigued me, uh, Mark, was that you would have, although you're, you're primarily uh, obviously connected to the stage, that you would have always had an interest in writing a film, even from when you were very young, and film was a very important part of your life when you were young. Yeah, for, well, for, I suppose many, you know, um, mm. people my age, my generation, maybe any generation actually. Yeah, I was like, I kind of grew up, or I was in my teens, and, the, and when video first came on the scene, the, the idea that you could watch a movie when you wanted, mm. it's kind of amazing. And yeah, you kind of grow up you know, watching lots of movies. I was big into literature as well, so I read an awful lot. And I think I was, you know, I didn't go to college and I was working dead-end jobs and I was into my kind of mid-twenties. And uh, I kind of went, oh, it's now or never, you know, and I kind of thought, I'll write something. It's either gonna be a novel or a movie or a play. Mm. And a novel, there was just too many words. Too much grammar. Too much grammar, actually. Yeah, yeah but then, with a certain style of book, I suppose you don't need great grammar, but I didn't know that at the time. And in a movie, there were so many few movies being made, the odds against it were like astronomical. I thought, play. Because if nobody produced it, you could put it on yourself. Do you know what I mean? And that's kind of how I fell into playwriting. Uh, I'd also a bit of knowledge of theatre because I'd read some plays. Uh, and... That was kind of something I fell in, fell into, and I love theatre, and I and and you know I consider myself a playwright first and foremost, and I guess because I was a playwright first and, and remain one, um, and so. But film films, uh, those videos you watched and some of them, you know, are very in quality. They kind of informed what you wrote as well, didn't they? To well, some they extent. Did. well, I did in the beginning definitely because you're kind of you know we used to watch kung fu movies and horror movies, so anything that was kind of sensationalist and gave us a kind of a thrill, an immediate thrill like that. So a lot of my early kind of plays are, 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 are very much informed by that. But then you just you get a bit older and you kind of, your interests sort of go elsewhere. And also you kind of don't want to be repeating yourself either. So you feel like you've taken a certain type of uh, uh, piece uh, as kind of as far as it can go. And, you, yeah. and, then you, and you start another one in the same kind of area. 
and you find you're just bored immediately and you kind of just got to find something else to, mm. some, some other way to approach it, you know? Mm. Yeah. yeah, of course, yeah. Here we go, the, the lady just there in the... There's a sense that he is going to, maybe he's going to like, out of revenge, like, tell Chris. And then Chris says that he knew, and that Yvonne told him. It's a very interesting way to approach that. And I thought it was actually possible that Chris was leading him on, and that Yvonne had never told him. It's just another possible interpretation of that. Yeah. Yeah, that it could have been that Chris was like, even though he was dying, he was kind of covering up and finding out what he'd suspected. Right. And then giving kind of a nice answer. Uh -huh. But um, I felt the person who really was punished in this was not Killian's character, but Yvonne, who ends up on her own with two kids and nobody with her and nobody yeah. wanting her. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it depends on people's perspective. I mean, if, like, God, the amount of conversations I've, I've had where people have said, it's all, it's Chris, it's Chris, he did this. No, it's Chris, sorry, it's, it's Jim, he did this. You say, Yvonne, she started it. Yeah, but Jim knew. Jim knew he was sick. <laughs> and it's not really quite about that. Do you know what I mean? No. So the last thing I wanted to do was, was to punish Yvonne. And to be honest, after their initial mistakes, once she discovered her husband was sick, she kind of behaved very admirably, I think, and kind of realised she, she loved him. And mm. time had kind of moved on, and certain things had changed, and I don't know. <laughs> right up the back there, just uh, um, actually, there, you can come afterwards. All right, sorry. Go ahead. Um, you said that you don't like you don't you don't like to be repeating things, but there's one thing struck me about the last two things I've seen recently, like the approach and this. There's a forgotten person in each of them. And I wondered if the forgotten person is a sort of a thing. Like in all affairs, this is an intensely explored affair. And it's but the forgotten person is Chris. And he's the Andrew Roberts character, he's intensely tragic. Andrew Scott, sorry. He's he's tragic, he's forgotten. Uh, in their total infatuation, he's forgotten. And also you have the sense that maybe he knew all along a lot more. I know it was a dream sequence, but that maybe he did. But he has been, just like in the approach, the third woman who's forgotten, the one who dies, I think. And so I just wondered, is that something that you like to explore, the person who's forgotten in the bigger themes? Well, firstly, thanks for going to see the approach. It was amazing. Oh, very grateful. It was actually one of the best things ever. I think, um, I think, you, you talk, sometimes you repeat yourself or sometimes you're exploring something despite yourself and you don't quite know what it is. So the thing you've just suggested there is something I haven't really thought about. Uh, but you're probably right. Uh, it was very important, well, it wasn't hugely important, but I thought it was interesting to... I did, when, when the funeral happens, there's a very much a sense that, there's, you know, there's a scene where uh, Andrew's kids are running around and... Yvonne has to tell me to stop running. And that's very much, you know, I very much wanted to show that idea with kids. Kids are so resilient and often they, it's not that they wouldn't be sad over a period of time over their, over their father, but probably only in quiet moments. 
and if they're too busy running around, they'll kind of that'll be their focus. And I think that adds a little bit to the to the sense of uh, of not remembering him. Do you know what I mean? Of 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 him being the lost person. So yeah, you might be you might be right with that. Yeah, just near the back there. Hi. Um, the scene in the hospital with with Killian and Andrew was that a dream sequence or not? <laughs> <laughs> Tell us now. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I'll tell you something about the dream sequence, and it's not really something that you need to get when you watch it, but it's there. Um, the dream sequence is, for me, uh, Killian's subconscious need for to be forgiven, kind of, for the affair. So it's like a wish fulfillment dream. Uh, so Andrew tells him that he's, you know, he knows and he knew all along, but what happens is, with dreams, you know, we, we, the raw materials of dreams are, you know, you, have, you dream in symbols, but the raw material is usually memories. And it's often memories that didn't make an impression on you at the time, but then kind of come back in your dream and slightly form the story of your dream. And the second half of that dream sequence, after they speak very specifically about having the affair, once Andrew starts saying, she told me and she wants to be with you, the dialogue is the exact same as the play that they went to see near the beginning of the film, so the dialogue is sort of word for word the play. And so again, you don't have to get that, but it was that, that thing of, I was interested in how we, you often you go, oh, that's where that part of the dream came from, because I actually did that that day. So, you know, not of much interest, but it's there. <laughs> yeah, see, see the gentleman beside you there, he's been waiting for a few minutes. Was the ending part of the initial idea, or did it come with the writing process? Sorry, it, was it a, was it a... Was the ending part of your initial idea for the film, or did it come as you were writing? It came as I was writing. Um, <clears throat> I did a kind of a treatment of the, of the story. I think I discovered it even in the treatment. I, so I didn't need to actually start writing the script, but as I got through the treatment, I definitely found myself like, you get to a point where you don't really know what's going to happen next, and you kind of, well, what if this happened, what if this one, and oh, you're one from the from the uh, the restaurant, what if it was her he met? And, and, and it just felt right that, I did like the idea of um, regardless of, 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 of Killian ending up with her, I did like the idea of, you know, after the affair, I did feel that Yvonne behaved admirably with, you know, her husband and seeing him off. And, then I liked the idea of her, in order to do that, her having to push away Killian, obviously. And then the idea that having sort of done the right thing, that she would be rewarded by losing the thing that she kind of wanted the most. And I liked the idea of timing and timing being wrong. And it, it just felt like, you know, she says to him at the end, we can, we can be together now because there's nobody kind of holding on to us. And it's like... And know, he doesn't react. It's yeah. one thing you haven't asked him. You've assumed he's not with anybody because he was chasing after and he was kind of making a fool of himself. And, but time moves on, doesn't it? And, 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 and so the moments when people were... Like, it, it's also the irony of... I'm slightly going the wrong direction here, but it's, it's also the irony that the, she, she pushed him to make a commitment to her. 
And then literally two days later, she had vanished because her, 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 she found that her, her husband was dying. And it was the idea that she pushed him into kind of uh, asking himself what his feelings were for her. And he realised he wanted to commit to her. He actually realised he did love her. But it was her pushing that made him admit that to himself. And ironically then, two days later, she was gone. And he was left with this newly discovered, pure kind of love for her and nowhere for it to go. And then she kind of did the right thing, took care of her husband. But I think over the, however, whatever, six months or a year between the, you know, between the funeral scene and kind of the, the last couple of scenes, um, she made that discovery. And then the timing was wrong for her as well. So it was just that thing of kind of bad timing, I think, yeah. Also, also, sorry, I also like the idea of, um, you know, there's this romantic notion of love being something, uh, you know, people say he's not the one, I haven't met the one yet, and, uh, you know, it's the idea that some kind of in, in, uh, magical kind of spark is going to make your, you know, yeah. blood feel like it's boiling, and, um, and in my experience, you know, relationships are, you know, they're hard work and they're complicated and they're complex. And often in film, you, you get asked, why, does he, why, why, why is he into her or why is she into him? And in my, you know, I know so many people where I have no idea why they're together. Do you know what I mean? And, and, and not, even, not even that they might be different personalities, but you just kind of go, you have nothing in common or, or you know. Um, and, yet, and yet, though, they're a couple and they love each other. And I kind of feel... And this might, and this is only just one way of looking at it. But you know, you have conversations when when Killian says at the end, "I love you." You know, she's telling me you love me, and he says, "I love you." And you've got the pause, but he does say it quite genuinely as well. And you know, some people have said four o'clock in the morning, he's he'll be calling Yvonne, saying, "I want to be with you." So my wife says it's like two weeks later or whatever. But I like the idea that they're such an odd match. And she's she's exciting, yeah. But she's exciting, you know. She's she's prob, you know, she's hard work probably. She but does the, but you see a sort of sweetness to her as well. She's very insecure, and, yeah. Yeah, and and, and a, 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 an unpredictableness that could be very exciting. And and she's you know she's got great charisma offer. And I kind of thought she doesn't have to be one thing or the other. I like the idea of if you're with someone and they've good or bad and bad points. Usually that's what the case is when you're yeah. with someone and you live and you love the good points and you learn to adjust to the bad points and they do the same for you. So she's, so she's sweet and she's a harpy, yeah. Yeah, and, and maybe, that's, maybe that's the actual romantic, like the film isn't particularly romantic I have to say, but that's the romantic in me kind of yeah. thinking. Yeah. I usually kind of say, well who's to say that they're not going to end up yeah. together and actually end up being quite happy together, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there's two questions there, one, one in front of the other, so whichever one of you wants to go first. Yeah, I was just, um, just wondering, I was just wondering whether, um, like, like obviously the movie could have ended five minutes earlier, and um, and perhaps in a parallel universe that movie was made, and, and you know then we can want, we can we can wonder whether that movie would make more money, but you know you you yeah. you did kind of terrorise a section of the audience, you know by by <laughs> doing what you did. With the last um, couple of minutes, you mean? With the last couple yeah, of minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I was, you know, I've seen Made in China, Broken, Intermission, Perry's Bounty, and, and I, you know, was, then, then when it happened, I was like really exhilarated, you know, because I kind of went, oh no, he hasn't been sanitized, he's, he's still, he's still, <laughs> yeah. 
He's still terrorising the audience, so hats off. Thanks. <laughs> well, that's, I don't know what it is, and you know what? You say you cut five minutes, you make more money. It's a story of my life, man. It's a story I can't help myself. I just can't... Like, I could probably write a Hollywood movie if anyone wants to pay me to, and give it a happy ending, but I just... Do you know what? You have... You have uh, as an artist, you have a philosophy of life, and usually you don't quite know what it is. You could never really articulate it. But you know when you come to a point in making something what you believe and what you don't believe. And I believe the world is... Uh, I believe in love and commitment and friendship and good deeds and all that kind of stuff. But I also believe that the world is a, is a, is a random, unpredictable place and th things don't always work out okay. And I think I just always have to kind of have that element in my work or else it feels too neat for me. And I think you could have ended it five minutes uh, earlier and he could have said, yeah, I'll be with you. And you would have been exhilarated. And then five minutes later, you would have been going, it's a bit neat though, isn't it? I mean, with all that. They, they did all these bad things and now we give them a happy ending. They don't quite... I like to be as fair. I love the characters. I think every character anyone writes is a part of themselves. I never want to judge them, even though they do some terrible things. Um, and But having said that, they also don't deserve, or it's not automatic that they deserve a happy ending either, you know, so, but thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry, last question, uh, the, the gent there, yeah. A question for you about the sound for the film. I noticed that in some of the more intimate moments, like when Yvonne and, uh, and Jim are in the hotel room for the, the first moment, when Yvonne's at the, at the restaurant by herself, um, there's very often the sense that they're alone, but like you can hear the outside traffic and things kind of pressing in on them. And it, it really, even though we're here in the outside world, it's really adding to their sense of isolation that we're hearing everything going around them and they're alone. Was that intentional or is that something you came to in the mix or? Um, no, it would have been in the mix. That would, would have been very much. It's interesting. It, like you have these very intense relationships with each kind of person you work with, you know, uh, throughout. And like even your locations manager right at the beginning, and you like way before you do anything, you're looking at a location, and you don't see them for a long time. And then you know your your director of photography, who you plan all your shots with and mm -hmm. stuff like that, and then your cast, and then your editor, and then your sound design. And I do nothing about sound design, you know, and I kind of just thought films were you edited them, and that was it, like you know. And, 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 and so what you do is it's a, it's a great process of you put in a lot of stuff, a little bit of stuff. And I, I, I think any creative process, um, directing on the set, directing in the theatre, writing, editing, it's all, um, it's all, you make your judgments based on intuition all the time. You do something, you watch it, you try to feel it. Do you know what I mean? And you calibrate off that. And so, I, you know, I'm sure there was a version where it was very quiet outside the window, and there was probably a version where it was very loud outside the window. But when we heard the version, which is kind of what you hear, uh, again, usually you kind of go, hey, that sounds right. But you just articulate it kind of why it sounds right. It does, it gives you a slight sense of isolation. You feel the world outside there. Uh, and, and I guess the feeling of that is... the. the being caught, it's connected to all that kind of stuff and, and, and the transgression, etc. So, and, and, and so much of making a film is, you know, people say this before, and it always sounds like kind of modest, humble thing, but so many decisions are based on how brilliant the people you're working with at any given time are. Because I, so many so many things get put into a film and even like detail very specific small things that you would as a director never ever ever think of 
and so many people kind of give you so many ideas and when they work you just grab onto yeah. them and so so yes it was it was the sound designer <laughs> Thanks very much, Mark, uh, and congratulations again. Thank you very much, everyone, for your questions. Thanks very much.